so we uh, are kicking off our Advent series this morning. Um, churches around the world are beginning an Advent series. There's kind of a, a, a church calendar that a lot of people go by, and even if they don't, they may hop on to the church calendar for Advent season leading up to Christmas. And so we'll take the next uh, three Sundays, four Sundays, um, to talk about different songs of Advent. These are going to be either songs or prophecies or poems from Scripture that are pointing us to the birth of Jesus and centering, centering us on Christ. Uh, and that will culminate in person for us on Christmas Eve Eve right here in this room uh, as we look at the angel's song of, of praise uh, when Jesus is born. And so um, that's our, our, our Advent focus this season. So when we see songs of Advent, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, last week, of course, we closed up James as we were looking at the mirror of God's Word and how we fall short of His standard for us. Um, but today we will be in the book of Luke, talking about hope. And our song this morning from Luke chapter 1 uh, is Zechariah's Prophecy. It's going to be in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. Uh, I believe the words will be on the screen. and You can turn there if you have your own copy of the Scriptures as well. And I will read them for us. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 79. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies And from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So to fully appreciate or understand what Zechariah is singing or praising or describing or talking about here, we need a little bit of context, right? Who is Zechariah? Who is the child he's talking about? Uh, this birth of the child that is not Jesus. Why are we talking about another baby instead of Jesus at Christmas time? Well, Zechariah was a priest who served in the temple, and he's married to a woman named Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a relative of Mary. Some translations say cousin. We're not exactly sure what the relation was, but Elizabeth and Mary, the mother of Jesus, are related. And there's a really cool encounter that they have prior to the prophecy I just read. And we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But for this morning, we're going to kind of look at Zechariah and Elizabeth's story and how they fit into this picture. One day, uh, Zechariah is serving in the temple, as was appointed his time. And Gabriel, the angel, comes to him and has a message for him. And of course, every time, almost every time, I think, somebody in the Bible meets an angel, they're really scared because the angels either come out of nowhere or look really freaky or something. And so they always have to say, don't be afraid. And so the angel says, don't be afraid, and starts to tell him that you're going to have a baby, and this baby's going to be special, and this baby's going to go to prepare the way for the Lord, and this baby is going to be named John. Well, Zechariah has some doubt in his heart and his mind about this message, even though an angel from the Lord is presenting it to him, 
And because of his doubt, he says, how can this be or what's going to happen? It's kind of this moment of disbelief. And because of his disbelief, the angel says, now you're not going to be able to talk until all of this is fulfilled. And so Zechariah is stricken mute. And so he goes home. Somehow he, I guess, writes it down, right? He's only using gestures. People are kind of not understanding why he can't talk. And so he has to use gestures and write things down. Uh, He fills in Elizabeth, which we'll see uh, later. We have some proof of that. And come to find out, she becomes pregnant. So Elizabeth gets pregnant. um, And then there's the encounter with Mary, which, again, two weeks, we'll talk about that. It comes time for the baby to be born, and it's time for him to be circumcised. And so this was kind of an event, a family event, uh, and they show up for this event, this ceremony, and it's time to name the baby. And so everybody's saying, you should name him Zachariah after his father. And like, Zachariah the Baptist Jr., I guess, is their last name. And Elizabeth says, no, his name shall be called John. And they're like, John, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody in your family's named John. And so they turn to Zachariah like, come on, you know, speak or gesture some sense into this situation. He motions for a tablet, and he writes down, his name is John. And right after that, sorry, it brings tears to my eyes because it's so cool because she says his name shall be called John. And Zechariah writes down, his name is John. And so everybody's kind of freaking out. And in that moment, in that culmination of that promise being fulfilled, just like Gabriel said, then you'll be able to speak. His tongue is loosened, Scripture says, and he starts to praise God. He blesses God. And then this prophecy comes forth, comes forth from his mouth. And it's a prophecy of hope. And as we think about hope today, I want us to consider the hope that Zechariah and Elizabeth had, the hope that their son John would bring, and the hope that we can only find in Christ. Our first look at hope is hope deferred with regard to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but also to ourselves. Hope deferred. As with all hope found in Scripture, there's a promise here from God that was to be fulfilled at a later time. You will have a son, and his name will be called John. The amount of time that passes between the promise and the fulfillment for this hope is hope deferred. And no one really enjoys this waiting time, this waiting period. The Bible speaks to this. Scripture acknowledges this. Proverbs 13.12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. We long, we ache for the day that the promise of God is realized, whatever that promise might be. Zechariah and Elizabeth are called blameless, righteous before God. These are God-fearing, God-obeying people. Zechariah is even a professional, right? He's clergy, and yet he showed doubt at the promise of God straight from the mouth of an angel. It's hard to wait on God, even when we 100% believe him, let alone when we already are prone to doubt, if we have reasons or circumstances that make it seem impossible. Consider Abraham and Sarah, who we talked about a few weeks ago. They had a promise from God, but they doubted his timing in this promise and his plan. They took matters into their own hands and things got messy. We don't see much of Zechariah and Elizabeth's journey in the wait. But I would think that Zechariah going mute and Elizabeth getting pregnant probably upped the believability factors that the angel was not joking, that this promise would come true. Their deferment period wasn't that long in the grand scheme of things, right? From the time that he is told this to the time that uh, John is born. But their situation shows us that hope is always deferred to some degree. 
Otherwise, it's not hope, actually. Hope is always looking forward to something not yet realized. Where we sit now, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, on this side of Jesus' birth and his saving work, we're hoping in his second coming when he returns to claim his people to make all things new. Romans 8 speaks to this hope, starting in verse 18. Paul writes, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, he writes. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Our hope now, just as Zechariah and Elizabeth's, though theirs was realized much sooner, is in what we do not see, what has not yet happened. And so we're to wait for it with patience, Scripture tells us. Well, what fuels this patience? What keeps us hopeful and trusting that the promises of God will be realized? It's the fact that our hope is assured. Our second point, our hope assured. Hope assured. Hope assured is the hope that Zechariah proclaims and that his baby John would proclaim as well. Zechariah declares that God has raised up a horn of salvation for his people and that God will remember his covenant that he has made with them. It's a strong faith that fuels our patience as well as we wait on hope deferred. Trusting that God will keep his promises, this faith is fueled by looking back, as Zechariah does, on the promises already fulfilled by our faithful God. He knows that God will keep his promises because he has declared something to him, and then in this small scheme of things, in this short frame, we see that he has promised a baby and this baby has been born. And so Zechariah knows that God is someone who keeps his promises. He looks back on the history of his people and says God has kept his promises. He promised things to his people throughout history and he fulfilled many of them. And so the things that he has not yet fulfilled, we put our hope in. It's a done deal. As he speaks over his newborn son, John, he declares the hope that John would proclaim as well. This baby would grow up to be known as John the Baptist. Zechariah's song over him declares in verse 76 in the following, which we've already read. You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Just as all hope in Scripture is deferred, all hope in Scripture is assured. Meaning our modern definition of hope, where we think we, where things might go the way that we want them to, or they might not, this is not biblical hope. Hope, while not yet realized, is still a sure thing, as far as God is concerned. One of the most famous lines about hope from pop culture is, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. 
This is a message that Princess Leia, Leia records for uh, Obi-Wan in Star Wars as a distress signal. It's kind of a desperation plea for help to save the day and save the universe and save the galaxy and all these things. And while it might convey that Obi-Wan might save the day or can save the day, it doesn't give us the message that he will save the day. It's kind of this, it's still up in the air kind of hope. And this is how we use hope today, I think. It's still up in the air. I hope, maybe, 50-50, 80-20, still, not 100%. I hope it happens. But that's not what hope is in the Bible. If you see hope in the Bible, it's a done deal. It's take it to the bank because the check will clear hope. We aren't always given a timeline or the means to the end, the roadmap of the steps from A to Z, but we can be sure that God will fulfill his promises. The message of salvation that John would declare was a message of a sure salvation. It was of a sure forgiveness of sins. Christianity is not a matter of, well, nothing else worked, so I might as well put all my eggs in this basket, crossing my fingers that it works out kind of situation. I think it's Pascal's wager, any nods of affirmation, this idea in philosophy that the, the risk is not as, it's, the risk is so great, the reward is so great, like you might as well trust in Jesus because you have so much to lose, even if it doesn't work out, like that's probably your best bet kind of deal. But what scripture points us to is a hope in Christ that is a done deal, sure thing. It's not a like, well, might as well. This fits my culture, so I, I claim Christianity, right? I go to church at Christmas time because, uh, I don't know, I'm American and we're Christians are, Americans are Christian. Or there's like this association culturally with Jesus. That's not what our hope is. Our hope is a sure thing in Christ because of the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Christianity is about patiently trusting that God's promises are true, not hoping that they're true, and they might be true, they may not be true, trusting that they are true. That's hope, because our hope is assured, and our hope is assured because our hope is secured. So hope is secured. Our hope is assured because it comes from the Lord, who is faithful and does not lie or fail. Assurance is the good as done certainty that God provides with no room for maybe. That's hope assured. Hope secured is when God gives us things to anchor our hope to. For Zechariah, his hope was secured in his own loss of speech and his wife's pregnancy, right? These are things that start to unfold in the promise to secure his hope. The promise was that a baby would be born. Now, pregnancy points to that, but it's not 100% until that baby is born, right? And so the hope secured, starts to, he starts to be able to tie his hope to these things because the angel said that he would lose his speech. Check. Okay, my hope's getting more secure in these things. The angel said that I would have a baby. My wife's pregnant. Okay, check. My hope is secured to these things, even though the promise is yet to unfold. For us, we have been promised salvation and forgiveness, the way of peace that we read about in Zechariah's prophecy. Our hope is secured in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. We have this benefit of, in history, being on this side of all of those events, right? You think back all the way back to the beginning and God's people who were promised these things and for so many years, generations, 
It's yet to be fulfilled. And so their hope was deferred for so long. And yet, the birth of Christ happens for us thousands of years ago, right? But when that unfolded for the people of God, it's hope secured towards hope realized. We were promised, from taking some of these phrases from the prophecy, a horn of salvation would come from the house of David. Jesus was born in the line of David. We were promised that our sins would be forgiven, and the Bible tells us that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might take on his righteousness. We were promised the way of peace, and Jesus experienced the wrath of God, that we might be reconciled and at peace with God by grace through faith. Think of an anchor securing a ship. It holds it fast from the waves, the storms, etc. Jesus secures our hope. Our hope is tied fast to the person and work of Jesus. If we're ever tossed to and fro by life or shaken by the storms or the circumstances or just the real life tragedies, not even kind of the worry of what might happen, we need only to look to our anchor, our secure salvation in Jesus. And one day, our hope deferred, hope assured, and hope secured will become a hope realized. And then it will no longer exist, just as we read in Romans. If you hope in what you see, that's not hope. Hope is in what is not seen. And so as we progress and progress and progress, eventually Jesus returns to call us home, and all of our hope is realized in him, and it's no longer hope. Once that ultimate promise is fulfilled, we no longer need to hope in it because no one hopes, again, for what he sees. But what is it unseen? Our hope as believers, as believers is not for salvation. Our salvation has been realized. When you trusted in Jesus for salvation, you were saved. Our hope is not for forgiveness. Our forgiveness has been realized. If you've trusted in Jesus, you have been forgiven. Our hope as believers now is in the second advent. Advent is this term that means arrival or coming. At Christmas, of course, we celebrate the first advent. But as believers, we celebrate and look back on the first advent, but our hope is in the second advent when Christ will return. We get to spend eternity with him in glory. What we celebrate at Christmas each year is this hope-securing event then, As I mentioned earlier, Advent is just as Zacharias being uh, mute and uh, his wife becoming pregnant, as these are uh, hope-securing events for him and the promise that God had made him to have a son, we look at Advent as this hope-securing event that if God way back when promised there is a Messiah, a Savior coming, and for generations, generations, to not see the birth of this Messiah and look forward to it, look forward to it, look forward to it, look forward to it. And then it happens. The promise is starting to unfold. Not yet realized. The, the, uh, the incarnation is realized. Then Jesus would live this sinless life, right? This perfect obedience unto the Father and lay down his life, surrendering his life, paying a price that we could never pay, dying for sinners, that if by faith we would believe in him, trust in him, surrender our lives to him, then we might be saved. 
And so we can't get to eternity. We can't get to the second coming unless there's the first coming, right? The first advent. And so it's this unfolding of a promise. This hope securing event in history that Jesus would come in the flesh, dwell among us. Scripture talks about him dwelling among us, tabernacling among us, taking on flesh, the form of man, that he might be in likeness with us, identify with us on that kind of level, and then pay the penalty that a man had to pay for sin that he never committed. And so as we celebrate Christmas, it's not just happy birthday, Jesus, right? Not part of it, but it's part of this big picture scheme of, that God has to redeem mankind. And so the fact that Jesus was born, it secures our hope that Jesus has come because God has made a promise, and he's fulfilling that promise throughout history. What is our hope in life and death? Just as we sing about it, Christ alone, Christ alone. Let's pray. God, thank you again for the Christmas season. We celebrate the birth of Jesus, not just because Jesus was uh, such a, a great teacher uh, or such a great humanitarian or someone who set such a great example for us and how to love our neighbor, and love our enemies. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because it means that you are keeping your promise. You're keeping your promise to save sinners like us. And in your wisdom, your plan to send God in the flesh, to live and walk amongst us, to lay down his life, to rise again from the grave and to one day come again. We don't get to all of that unless there is this first advent. Scripture sometimes refers to the, um, the, the coming of Jesus as, as a sun rising to shine on us, to shine in the darkness. And so it's, it's this advent, this first advent is kind of this breaking dawn as the world starts to receive light from the sun, as, as Christ comes into the world. God, your promises are true. We thank you for the, the milestones, not just in Scripture that we read about your grand scheme promises, but God, in our own lives, help us to see as we look back that your faithfulness in our lives, the things that you have promised have come true. We can look back at these moments to say, my hope is secured because of these things that are unfolding. And I know my hope is assured because God is not a liar. God is faithful. So God, we celebrate the birth of Christ because it points us to the rest of your promise. Salvation is found in no one else except him. We thank you. We praise you for this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.